We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 905 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And joining me once again is the one and only Ben Fennel. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. Ben, how the heck are you doing and how was your super wildcard weekend? It was a great weekend. It was uh, fun to watch the uh, three games Saturday, three games Sunday, and then right into the national championship on Monday. I thought that was a great three days of football, but it's exciting that we're here in the divisional round uh, with a big Packers game, uh, you know, finally off that bye week. Uh, that was another thing. Just having uh, no Packers game to stress about made it that much more enjoyable of a weekend. Yeah, it really did. I think that's kind of been the vibe around Packers Nation. It was nice to have a week off of just watching <laughs> important and you know fun football without having to have any heart attacks in between. So uh, you can't go wrong with that. We're going to obviously get into Packers Rams in just a moment, but um, first of all, you know, let's just just talk for a second about that wildcard weekend. Anything anything surprise you at all? Any of the just let's just talk NFL. Any any surprises from wildcard weekend? Any surprises with coaching hires, fires, anything like that? No, not particularly. I liked on wildcard weekend. I thought a lot of defense and running the ball kind of emerged as I like to see in January and into the playoffs. So it was great to see some more defensive performances kind of step up and those teams that are willing to commit to the run really dominated and played ball control. And it was also refreshing to see all the road teams winning. Uh, which is just so tough to do in the playoffs or really any time in the NFL. But this past regular season actually had the road teams finishing one game ahead of the home team. So the no crowd noise, obviously a factor, but you still have to travel. You still have to stay in a hotel uh, anytime you're not in your own facilities and in your own bed. You know, it just changes your your schedule and changes your rhythm a little bit. So it's just uh, refreshing to see the road teams win. And, uh, you know, it's really anybody's ball game this year without the, the crowd and the impacts. Yeah, certainly seems fitting that the year the Packers get home field throughout the playoffs, the road teams <laughs> right. are the, the ones that are playing better, of course, go figure. But no, it definitely has been a degree of difference. And I mean, I think the nice thing for Green Bay is their home field advantage. I mean, certainly the, the fans always play a huge part, but their home field advantage is a little bit different with the cold and the weather. And and I don't think there's going to be any elements in this game, but you have that. And then, of course, getting the bye and having to, you know, everyone else having to play. Um, I definitely think it gives Green Bay just an advantage. And then, oh, by the way, that ultimate advantage 
advantage that Aaron Rodgers has and being able to use his cadence to draw people off sides when there's no crowd noise, whether it's home or away or anything, that's just another advantage that he has. Well, Andy, you know, when our offense is struggling, yeah, bring on the weather, bring on the snow. Let's try to slow the game down. Let's play defense. But this Packers team can light up the scoreboard and they can play, you know, with that basketball on, on grass type of mentality as well. So if the sun's shining and there's no wind, that might play into our favor as well. I agree with you. It's been really interesting because uh, it's been interesting to hear Aaron Rodgers. I think he said it on McAfee. I know he said it in his press conferences of how he really likes the elements and the weather and he thinks that's an advantage, but this team is built a little bit more uh, for, I don't want to say they're like, you know, built as a dome team, but this is a team, like you said, that can put up points and in a hurry, especially in good conditions. So it is interesting that you kind of have that, you know, dueling dynamic there. It's like the weather is the equalizer, but when you feel like your offense, is exponentially better than their offense. You almost are equalizing it in the wrong direction too. I agree. I think this is the best of both worlds. If it's like, you know, 25 to 30 degrees with no wind and no weather, I think it's enough to, you know, maybe throw a a team that has a quarterback with a a throbbing thumb and a, uh, at the end of the day, Andy, the Packers community is talking themselves into optimism, no matter what happens. That's That's all that matters. So I love seeing the positivity and the confidence that, you know what, if it's a blizzard, great. That plays into our hand. If the sun shines in 50 <laughs> degrees, great. That plays into our hand. So just great to see the optimism uh, around the fandom. I'm right there with you. I agree with you a million percent. <laughs> uh, let's, let's jump into Packers Rams because, of course, that's going to be the crux of our topic today. And I think, you know, it seems that on the flip side, some people have you know, at least started to talk themselves into this Rams number one defense and it being such a problem for Green Bay. Let me just start by asking you, what are your concerns, if any, that you have with this Rams football team as it pertains to the Packers? Well, you know, looking at the Rams defense, as you set it up there, they don't just have stars on defense. They have the best of the best of their position at certain spots on defense, particularly Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And show me, you know, a guy that can cover and I'll show you a guy that can rush the passer. And that goes the other way, too. So they're complementative. They play off each other. And anytime you have the best of the best at a certain spot, obviously it changes the entire makeup of the the entire unit and the team. So having the stars on the uh, the defensive side, in addition to just preventing the big plays, which you know I'm such a proponent of. It's a big play business. You got to create them. You got to prevent them. And the fact that they don't allow many of them just makes it a really tough defense to – what I like to call get the cheapy, get the big one over somebody's head or get that shot play or catch the defense sleeping. They make you work for it. And in 2020 NFL where defenses have just been like Swiss cheese, it's just really refreshing to see the Rams playing good defense, stopping the run, not letting that ball go over their heads and saying, you know what, if you want to beat us, you're going to have to work for it and push us down the field. Um, And you know how much I love that formula because that's also a formula that the Packers defense has, uh, you know, taken a slice from. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting kind of compliment. Yeah, it really is. And it's been so interesting to see this Rams defense to go from, you know, Wade Phillips, who I thought was a really, you know, strong defensive coordinator for forever. Um, They obviously go in another direction. And, you know, this defense has been, you know, taken to an entirely different level. Of course, I think Jalen Ramsey being in uh, this new system for an entire season has certainly helped as well. But this is you mentioned the complimentary football between Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but it's also the compliments between the players and the scheme. I think we've seen that on the flip side from this Packers offense and how Matt LaFleur and the scheme can open things up for Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams and the rest of this offense. And then you let those weapons cook. It seems to almost be the antithesis for the, the Rams defense where they've got, of course, they've got two of the best in the league in, in Ramsey and, and Aaron Donald. They've got a lot more than that too, but now you have a scheme that kind of opens those guys up. It's been fun to watch their defense as you mentioned, kind of control teams and, and really limit point production as well as those yards through the air. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I go on the radio each week and whether it's stopping the Packers or stopping other teams, my answers become like echoes every week. You got to make them one dimensional. You got to stop the run. And I think that's what the Rams do first and foremost so well. And I know the interceptions are sexy and the sacks are sexy. They stop the run better than anybody. They do it with light boxes And Andy, it reminds me of those mid-2000 days of the Niners. But this team doesn't have Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman and, you know, Justin Smith. They do have Aaron Donald. But the fact they're doing it with 
Micah Kaisers of the world and Kenny Youngs of the world and Troy Readers of the world. And they have two really exciting young safeties back there that rarely come down uh, and play the run in the box. But them stopping the run first and foremost leads into everything else. And then that's the great formula that I like with the Packers. Stop the run, prevent the big plays over your head, and occasionally get that opportunistic impact play, whether it's the sack fumble or the interception or giving your offense a short field. I just love that formula on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, I always equate it to eating your vegetables on early downs. <laughs> Nobody likes to do it. Like you said, it's not sexy. It's not fun. But you stop the run on early downs, then you can get into those pressure packages. You can rush the passer. You know what's coming. If you can eat your vegetables on early down, you get your desserts on the third and longs. <laughs> um, and But it is interesting. I'm glad you brought up those linebackers because it seems to me that the Packers this year have kind of struggled with the teams that have had stronger linebacker play. Um, I'm looking specifically, obviously, at Tampa Bay um, when they had Levine. Monte David and Devin White, um, Minnesota, the game with Eric Kendricks, he, he kind of took over the middle of the field. That's been kind of the thing that's it seemingly has brought down the Packers at times. And it's not just that, but that that's been apparent in those couple games. Um, the Rams, as you mentioned, don't really have that. And you also mentioned the fact that the Rams are limiting these explosive plays. Uh, I've also seen Green Bay put together enough, what, 12, 13 play 75 yard drives this season to know that, hey, if that's what you're going to give them, they're happy to take that and they're going to work their way down and Aaron and, and really the rest of the offense is so sound with the football and not turning the ball over that for the most part, they've been able to get away with that when need be. So it just, it's going to be such an interesting matchup on how those two sides of the ball match up. Absolutely. And it just feels like Aaron is so much more comfortable in taking what the defense gives him. And obviously that, you know, is going to play right into our conversation about check downs versus scrambles, but when you're willing to do that and you have a team that's trying to take away the deep ball and take away those passes down the field, taking what they give you and kind of taking your medicine is all about sustaining those drives and moving the ball down the field. And when they had those Packers in 2015, 16, 17, that was the greedy Aaron Rodgers. That was the hold on to the ball, hoping for that big play, hoping for the breakdown in coverage, hoping for the out of structure, you know, explosive play. So the fact he's just willing to take the more efficient play on a down to down basis, keeping himself clean, keeping the chains moving, uh, it's just a really refreshing kind of change in style. It really is. And I think it's been something that you and I have talked about in the past of wanting to play a little bit more within the confines of the offense. I know that's been a big brand of yours as well, but it's been so fun to watch throughout this season. And hey, you know, a 70% completion percentage, the highest of his career, likely another MVP trophy on his wall, the number one team in football or number one uh, team in the NFC, 13 and three. A lot of things went well uh, when that formula has kind of come to fruition. Let's flip things on its head. This Rams team has a lot of strengths, but they are far from perfect. Let's not forget that they just lost to the Jets a handful of weeks ago. They have some weaknesses as well. If you're, let's put your Matt LaFleur head coach hat on. What weaknesses are you, or just in general, offense or defense, what weaknesses are you attacking for the Rams? Well, the Rams offensively, I don't really believe in their offensive line. I love Andrew Whitworth, but the the guards, the center, the right tackle, I think they're all liabilities in my opinion. I think they can all uh, give up some big plays, not only in the run and the pass game. I love Whitworth. He's a veteran. Getting him back last week, you could clearly see the difference on the left-hand side. But this Rams offensive line and the run game just has not been the same since three years ago when they let Roger Saffold go to Tennessee. And I think John Sullivan retired, if I'm not mistaken, but they just have not. And they also let Todd Gurley go, but the run game has just not been the same. And the caliber of play on the offensive line has not been the same. So I want to attack the offensive line, disrupt golf and get them just out of rhythm and out of structure. And if you look at that bears game three years ago, I think on Monday night when the Rams are really clicking and they seem like the juggernaut in the NFL, the Chicago Bears just flew up the field and disrupted. It didn't matter if it was run, pass, play action, jet sweep, orbit motion, go disrupt. And Jared Goff does not like when that pocket confines on him. He does not like when he has to hurry his process. He does not make, like making plays out of structure. He does not extend the play. You know where Goff's going to be. He's a pocket passer. Occasionally, they like to move him with the play action boot game, but he's not going to move on his own. So get up the field, disrupt the offensive line, stop the run, and don't let that long developing action uh, come to fruition. All that stuff takes time. The jet sweep, the orbit motion, the play action fake, all that takes time. So if you could get up field and disrupt immediately, it really destroys the Rams' entire offense. 
Yeah, it really does. I'm going to be really intrigued to see how they, you know, how they put their front together. You know, the Zadarius Smith over center hasn't worked quite as well as it did last year, at least at first glance. Um, and I'd be interested to see if maybe they try to go back to that a little bit to see if they can immediately get in Jared Goff's face. Um, obviously, Kenny Clark can play a huge role in collapsing that pocket as well. Um, how they use Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. I, I'm, I'm going to be really intrigued to see. They've started to go. I know against Kyle Shanahan, they did some, you know, kind of five-man line with one linebacker using basically three interior defenders, usually what Clark Lancaster and Lowry, and then uh, Zadarius and either Preston or Gary on the outside with basically just a, a Chris Barnes or a Christian Kirksey as kind of the lone linebacker within your normal nickel defensive backs. We'd be interested to see if they deploy some of that, like how they kind of try to defend this Rams uh, offense is going to be really intriguing. I, I personally think Ben that kind of having, you know, coming off of a game against Chicago, I know they're different systems, but you have a quarterback, Mitch Trubisky to Jared Goff, that at this point, I, I'm not sure that there's that much of a difference other than that Mitch Trubisky actually has some mobility as well. You want to take away the running game with Akers and David Montgomery, Some you know, certainly some two tight end sets that you're going to see from both teams. You've got at least one receiver that you have to kind of keep an eye on in Cup and Allen Robinson. But I, I'm not so sure from a personnel standpoint that the teams are all that different, that you don't kind of use some of the same things and ultimately make sure that Jared Goff, like Mitch Trubisky, is the one that's beating you and not the running game. Yeah. And those offenses are designed similarly, similarly in that you want to take decisions out of the quarterback's hand and make it as paint by numbers as possible because both Trubisky and Jared Goff aren't good decision makers. And I think that's why you see this drastic change in style between LaFleur and Sean McVay, particularly in the RPO game, where there's so much emphasis on the quarterback making accurate post-snap decisions. The Rams don't do that. In fact, the last two years, they've run seven RPOs. And I think two of them were dropped snaps that the receivers just looked <laughs> in, like, what, what's going on here? Um, so it's an alarmingly uh, small amount of RPO concepts that I can't really make sense of on why you would not want to manipulate defenders' post-snap leverage by playing off of that. I equate it to the decision-making of the quarterbacks, which Jared Goff in his four- or five-year career has really struggled with some of his reads and pure progressions and making those post-snap decisions. So I think they want to take a lot of their shots off play action with very defined reads and defined looks for the quarterback and do what they can to take a lot of that decision-making away from, uh, from Goff. Uh, let's switch back to the offensive side of the ball for a second. So now you get to officially put your Matt LaFleur, you know, uh, hat on and your Aaron Rodgers hat on, you know, they're going to probably match up a ton with Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams, but you know, how do you want to attack this Rams defense? What, what potential weaknesses could they have that, you know, Matt LaFleur and this offense could kind of look to take advantage of? You know, that's a really good question. I think particularly they like to play a lot of quarters, uh, on early down. So I think watching those safeties, John Johnson and the rookie sixth round pick, Jordan Fuller on early downs, particularly against play action, you're going to try to get them to be nosy in the backfield. And then hopefully LaFleur can deploy a lot of his quarters beaters. A lot of those deep play action concepts that occupy the safeties and hopefully hit somebody over top of them. So you see a lot of dagger and mills and, uh, post out. And so I'm thinking the deep post to MVS would be a great complement to attack their quarters coverage. Some of the other matchups, you know, I think Jalen Ramsey, Devontae is going to be a fun matchup there, but Elton Jenkins against Aaron Donald is a pretty heavyweight matchup uh, in the trenches as well. I want to attack their safeties and I want to attack their linebackers. I'm just not sure how to do it yet. I don't know if it's going to be an aspect of the play action game, the tight ends, maybe against those linebackers, or maybe even an Aaron Jones in the past game. That's really kind of waned through 2020. That's another big difference between these two offenses. The Rams do not involve their running backs in the past game. The Packers love to involve those, which is a huge change from Mike McCarthy, which I think we both love seeing, especially yeah. with guys like, you know, Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon and having the dynamic Aaron Jones. So I think this could be a game to get Aaron Jones back involved uh, in the past game, whether it's the screen game or trying to isolate him against maybe uh, one of those bigger linebackers. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. And I, I've kind of been wondering if we don't see maybe some of the more two, you know, the, the pony personnel, the two running back sets and throwing some different things and trying to get some of those matchups and just unique matchups with some of the the, the Rams linebackers in this game. Because like you said, you, you know, I think, you know, with Ramsey Adams and then, you know, potentially, I, I don't know how much you want to just revolve the offense in this capacity around Alan Lazard and MVS. Um, I think you're going to want to get Tunyon and Aaron Jones and maybe Jamal Williams, maybe even some AJ Dillon. And I think if you can start Start doing some of that stuff, especially if you can establish the run. I mean, that makes your day that much better. And I do wonder if maybe they see at least come out with maybe some of the two running back sets just to see how the Rams defended and see if they can't find some mismatches in that regards. Yeah, absolutely. And I love all the wrinkles that Matt LaFleur has turned into his own man and his own coach because he's so closely associated with Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. One other thing McVay never does the two back stuff never does pony, which is two tailbacks never does uh, a fullback. He occasionally he'll put a tight end in the backfield as a lead blocker. So rarely are you ever going to see 21, 22 personnel sets from the Rams, which was their big criticism, uh, their Super Bowl year. I think there were about 98% 11 personnel that Super Bowl year. He's since relied a little bit more on some two tight end stuff and try to have some of those tendency breakers. But I love just seeing the ways that Matt LaFleur has become his own head coach and has developed his own trends and philosophies on how to move the ball down the field. And he's really his own man right now. And I think that's uh, that's really exciting. I think the thing that to me with that is so exciting is I think you can get sometimes in a dangerous position. If you're just kind of cherry picking the best stuff from all different offenses, maybe you pick some stuff from Shanahan and McVay, you still have to have a core of your offense that you want to execute. And we've seen coaches at times that kind of cherry pick stuff from offense, but they don't have a core. They don't have a purpose for their offense. And the fact that I feel like Matt LaFleur has been able to pick stuff out of what Kyle Shanahan does and pick stuff out of what McVay does. And some of these great offenses. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. ...that he's worked with, but built an entire system and philosophy around it and then built checks and um, counters and everything off of that system. Like that's what's been so fun to see. And that's what I'm so excited about as this offense continues to evolve moving forward. Yeah. I feel like we need to have a genre. We need to have a niche. Otherwise it's just a pawn shop. It's just a thrift <laughs> store of a bunch of, you know, stuff and scraps we found along the way. If you don't have a, you know, a, a brand and an identity, you know, at the foundation of it all, it's all just a bunch of junk sitting in the garage, you know? <laughs> it really is. It's a great analogy. I think he gets, you know, I mean, another great thing, not only the Shanahan stuff, not only the McVeigh stuff, but then I think Nathaniel Hackett brings a whole other school of thought too. And you just have all these, all these great offensive minds. Plus you still have some stuff that worked from the Mike McCarthy era. That's working around in Aaron Rodgers' mind and Luke Getze. Like I just think they've got, there's, I don't think there's any offense. Credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more with a credit karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, 
you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. It's that like the core of their offensive minds haven't gone through at some point and have <laughs> you know different ideas from, and it's really fun to see how they've put that together. Um, you talked about some of the key matchups. We, you know, the the Adams Ramsey's been talked about ad nauseum. Everyone knows, you know, Jenkins versus uh, Aaron Donald, and maybe some Corey Lindsley versus Aaron Donald. I think Andrew Whitworth versus whether it be a Rashawn Gary or a Zadarius Smith is a really fun matchup to watch. But any other key matchups or X factors that you're kind of watching as this game goes along? No, I really want to see, uh, you know, how the Rams deploy Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I think the Rams offense is so interesting because they do a great job at deploying talent within the scheme. And I think Brandon Cooks actually was hurting their offense because he was the wrinkle that didn't fit into the scheme. He was the one they had to design plays for, and he was the shot play guy. Now it's so much more balanced. It's scheme-based. You can even look like how they had Cooper Cup deployed his first several years. He struggled getting off the line. They never asked them to get off the line. They'd hide them in bunches and stacks pretty consistently and put them in positions to be successful. I think Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are outstanding receivers, just in a completely different cloth than other outstanding receivers. These guys don't win down the field. They don't make a whole lot of explosive plays. They don't show up on tons of highlights, but they do their job. They block extremely well. They'll get that fourth yard on third and three for you. And I really like those types of players. They're just not the sexy players. And I think that's what's wrong with this Rams offense is you don't know where the sexiness lies. Like their downfield targets this year, Tyler Higby led them with five. Josh wow. Reynolds was next with three. And Josh Reynolds caught three of 14. So, you know, there's some, they're lacking some shine as well with the offense, you know, without having that Cooks or that girly or that go-to guy. But there's a lot of good football players. The scheme works. They're balanced. Uh, and they really kind of trust the framework of that offense under Sean McVay. All right. I've got, I've got three X factors for you and I'll, I'll see what you think of these three. Speaking of non-sexy names. So uh, number one on my list is Alan Lazard. I feel like, I don't know that he has to be the player that he was against the new Orleans saints where he put up, I don't know, what was it? Six for one forty and a touchdown or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but you know, really great game against the saints, but in playoff football, you know, some of these teams are going to target in and hone in on uh, Devonte Adams. And I just think that he's going to have to be the guy that moves the chains in some of these scenarios. I have a feeling they're going to make sure that Tunyon's eliminated in the red zone a little bit more. And we've seen Lazard have the ability to kind of have, you know, do all the blocking and do some of the glue work. But I think this is going to be one of those games where he might have to have some of those big third down conversions, maybe a, uh, maybe a 20 yard play, you know, maybe just one, I'm not asking for more than that, but uh, maybe a couple plays downfield where he can kind of open up this offense a little bit as well. So he's my guy on offense on defense. I'm going Dean Lowry. And I feel like Dean Lowry every single season has one, one or two games that just kind of come out of nowhere and he just kind of wrecks things a little bit. And we haven't had that game, but he has, in my opinion, been playing better over the course of the last month, month and a half than he was earlier this season. And it just feels like maybe he's due for that one big game. I think he's you know had a big game against Tampa Bay a few years back. I'm, I'm looking for Dean Lowry to have a big game in this one. And then the, my last one, my last X factor in this game J.K. Scott, and I just think that this is going to be a game where Green Bay maybe punts more than what they normally do in a game, and I think this could also be a game where field position plays a very major role at times, and um, we've seen J.K. Scott, especially outdoors, be very inconsistent, actually everywhere be inconsistent, and uh, I just think this is a game where he needs to have one of his better games punting, and if you get really good J.K. Scott, he can be a complete field changer for you, so those are three guys that I'm looking for that I think could be X factors in this game. Yeah, I think there's going to have to be a contribution from a role player uh, in a big moment. I think you're going to get into some third and mediums and longs, and they're going to take away Devontae. And you're going to have to look to Alan Lazard or MVS or Tanyan or the backs uh, to come up with a big play, potentially in a clutch key moment, which we've seen them all show up. So it should give us all confidence and, uh, you know, the uh, – 
the, the faith that they can do it when needed. And I think that's why this team has been so good and why Rodgers is that much more willing to let it loose to all these young guys around the, the formation is he trusts them all now. They've all been in those roles. A lot of those guys have dominated certain games like Tunyon has, like Lazard has uh, outside of the stars of Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. But just that confidence, uh, you know, across the board, even the confidence within the locker room, all the different ways they won this year, Andy. I mean, they won with adversity so many times. They won without Bakhtiari, without Kenny Clark in games, without Aaron Jones, without Devontae Adams. They won so many more of the shootouts. I just have so much more confidence that they can handle adversity, different style of games, different style of situations in the game as well. And I think leading up to this point in the 16 games of 2020, there's been a lot of different style of games. And I think all those kind of go into the pot of confidence into the playoffs. It really does. And I mean, the defense has been playing much better. The offense has obviously been great. And uh, the one issue has kind of been special teams. And uh, there was a recent report ranking the special teams units this season by DVOA and I guess a bunch of other stuff. And I guess the Rams had a worse special teams than the Packers, which doesn't necessarily (laughs) seem possible. But if Green Bay has the advantage there as well, I think things look up in this game. I I did want to pick your brain on a couple of the changes in the Packers offense. You kind of highlighted one of them earlier. The the first one is checkdowns, which um, I think Aaron Nagler was uh, had a great question for uh, Aaron Rodgers on that the other day in his press conference, which was uh, really well done. And, and basically Rodgers just said, you know, I feel much more comfortable in the offense. I know where the check downs are. And that's, you know, allowed me to get the ball into their hands, maybe a little bit quicker at times. Uh, but how much of a difference has that made for this offense this year? Well, I think it's made it more efficient. Obviously, you've stayed ahead of the chains a little bit more. But outside of all that, There's been games, Andy, where Aaron Rodgers has walked away with barely a grass stain on those yellow pants. And that's the biggest difference. And this is the formula for Aaron Rodgers to play until he's 43, 44, whenever he wants to, until we see some sort of decline in his right arm, which we have not seen any flashes of. So that's what's so exciting about the checkdowns and playing within structure. He's just keeping himself clean. He's keeping himself out of harm's way. And then in combination, yes, when you get to those checkdowns faster with better timing, then gives those players an opportunity to make somebody miss and get upfield. Alvin Kamara has 80-something receptions. I think 75 of them are checkdowns because Drew Brees gets to that checkdown like an assassin and always gives Alvin Kamara room to run and see up the field uh, You know, for a counter two. It's when you get to the checkdowns too late that a defender is already on his back and you see those running backs get blasted in the flat. But that's how Alvin Kamara gets the ball down the field and gets all these yards and fantasy points. I think you're seeing that more with Rodgers. I think it's really refreshing to watch him play like a true veteran quarterback by saying, you know what? Every defense has a vulnerability and I'm going to find it. I know where it is and I can get to that check down anytime I want to. It's it's crazy to me because I've I felt for a while now, especially watching Brady and Breeze closely, like that the the checkdown is like this cheat code that teams haven't completely figured out yet. And it seems so ridiculous because it's the it's just like you said, it's not the sexy play. It's not anything that's this major move within an offense. And ultimately, you can't just check down to death. You have to get some plays down the field too, because uh, as you mentioned earlier, those explosive plays are so important. But if you can successfully get to those checkdowns and get your running backs or whomever it is in space and an open field like an Alvin Kamara, like an, uh, an Aaron Jones, like it, it just gives your offense so much more of an advantage. And Roger spoke very clearly too today about it's not only the, just the positive yards it's getting, but it's keeping out of the negative yardage situations. It's not taking sacks. It's not having fumbles. It's not those lost down situations. Even if you're picking up two or three, hell, a second and seven, a third and four is a hell of a lot better than uh, a second and 10 or a third and 10. So like it, it's really been fun to watch how they've been able to implement that a lot more on the offense but the question is Andy so everyone gets excited with the young athletic quarterbacks to the point they say can we even draft a quarterback that doesn't have athleticism these days you know creating out of structure is such a uh, a big aspect for young quarterbacks that's the big issue right now with potentially drafting a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trask this year is can they move enough can they make enough plays out of structure that was the issue with Jared Goff coming out number one overall pick but at what point in your career do you go from an exciting out of structure mobile quarterback into the veteran and the pure progression play from the pocket quarterback. And I think that was those rough years with Rodgers where slowly we were analyzing the process of his play as we weren't getting those results. And everyone's going to have this type of 
kumbaya at some point, whether it's Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, all these young, exciting quarterbacks that run around. Their day is going to come, Andy, because there's a lot of young running quarterbacks. There aren't a whole lot of old ones. And there's a reason for that. So the change in style and when that change in style happens is a really interesting kind of crossroads for a lot of these quarterbacks. I feel like one quarterback in particular went through what we just saw with Aaron Rodgers for the last few seasons over the course of the last six to eight weeks. And it started to happen. That was Russell Wilson for the Seahawks. I feel like not that he can't still run around. He certainly still has the ability to run around, nothing like that. But like you, you could almost see some of the exact same things that have been happening with the Packers over the course of the last you know few years with Rodgers and trying to get, you know, just uh, um, Wilson bringing his eyes down, trying to get some of those big plays downfield. They're just not having a a structure flow within the offense. Like a lot of that stuff just sort of started to happen. Obviously you see them move on from their offensive coordinator. It seems like they might need a little bit of a reboot there too. Hey everyone. I want to tell you about blue wire hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's the one uh, that's kind of right at that 30 years old where he has to play from, you know, within structure a little bit more. His legs are slowing down just a little bit. You want to protect yourself. But that offense is sometimes in such dire need of chunk plays and explosive plays. He's going through that era of putting too much pressure on himself, just like Rodgers was to let the defense break down at a structure. And sometimes there's some easy throws underneath that don't look so sexy, but staying efficient, staying ahead of the chains is sometimes more important. And I love just my kind of blanket statement of it all. Hey, if it's third and five and it's slant flat and the slant's wide open, you don't throw it, you scramble around for six yards. You get a negative all day long. It is not your job to scramble around for six yards. It's your job to be a distributor first and foremost. And that's, that's what Aaron Rodgers has done. And it's so refreshing and it's so great to see. And he can keep doing this for as long as he wants to. Uh, another one I wanted to touch base on was some of the tendency breakers that Matt LaFleur has been using. You posted this on Twitter, um, more in the running game. So last year, uh, maybe didn't use quite as, as many tendency breakers, not as many counters, not as many change-ups to what they were kind of doing on a down-by-down basis. What have you seen there as a difference this season? Yeah, last year was way too dependent on the uh, on the zone running game. So once you're in year two of the system, now it's self-scouting, finding those tendency breakers, and giving opponents that much more – uh, to consider in their film study and their preparation. So that's working in a lot more man and gap runs. They've worked in a lot more power concepts, but I love those counter runs that they start out looking exactly like the outside zone plays, the split flow plays where you have a tight end coming across with outside zone blocking, except Aaron Jones takes one step and then counters back the other direction. So those first one, 1000 looks the same to a defense and we can all go back to LaFleur and that opening press conference saying he wants plays that start looking the same, but are different. And this is everything we've wanted with LaFleur. 2019 was kind of a habsy one foot in one foot out 2020. It's all systems go. And it's just great to see him deploy everything he wants with the offense from the RPOs, emotions, the bunches, the stacks, the diverse personnel grouping, some of those play call sequencings, but the run game wrinkles and all those different variations to the foundational concept. Like we talked about, he's not running that pawn shop. He has a store with a theme and a foundation. And now he has a couple extra bells and wrinkles and stuff in the window and at the counter to kind of get your attention in your eyes. But I just love seeing the, the variation in the offense and that they can beat you and win in multiple ways. 
It is. And it makes, I, I love the fact that it makes the defense think so much and it just makes them, you can just tell that they're uncomfortable and they're never really fully attacking. And it's constantly have to worry about a multitude of different things. I think you had posted um, a video. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, which I think it may have been Roquan. Maybe it was Trevathan in the bears game where they basically, they ran a motion. And then like, as the play started the tight end motion right behind it. And the, the linebackers just, just literally stuck in mud. like there might've might as well have been quicksand at like the 35 yard line. And uh, he's just sinking in it. And Aaron Jones is just running right by him uh, in the middle of the field. You can correct me if I've got any of those. I think it was Trevathan, but it was just the, the visual of jet motion first then the tight end going across the formation, then the quarterback carrying out a boot fake out the backside of the run, all that in combination, the linebacker took a pass drop. So not only all the eye candy in the backfield, it was a run play that the linebacker read pass. Long story short, defenders are just out of their element against the Packers. And I don't know really how to explain it on a week-to-week, down-to-down, drive-to-drive basis, but when things are clicking and you have a lot of moving parts – defenses are second guessing their keys or second guessing their eyes. And you see it in those plays like that, where it's clearly a run, read your guard key, read your, your run keys, read your high and low hats. You've been in this league a long time, Danny Trevathan, <laughs> but when you have all that eye candy, all those moving parts, it just takes these deep defenders out of their element. And you can literally see the processing in their brain where it's almost like a little bit of a lag, like where's the ball? What am I doing? Um, and it's just fun that, that you can attack defenders like that and offense can be easier and not all these players have to win for themselves and that the scheme and the talent is marrying together. And when you have a great scheme and all these moving parts in an all pro like Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Bakhtiari, now we got a Super Bowl contender and that, and that's a, it's a pretty good formula. It is. It is almost like uh, when everything's clicking on all cylinders, like the Packers are running on one gig internet and the defense is running on <laughs> dial up and you can just see some of the lag at times. It's just fun to watch. Um, there's no, like you said, there's no real perfect way to explain it. So everyone go out, get all 22 and just watch it for yourself. Cause it's fun to see <laughs> the defense thinking on some of those plays. But um, one other thing from a Packers standpoint, I wanted to touch base on quickly. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk. I don't believe since uh, David Bakhtiari's injury, um, obviously that's a major blow for this Packers offense i'll start first and just say i think in the frame of their framework of their offense in general they can survive david bakhtiari especially with how aaron Rodgers has been able to get the ball out of his hands um i think we saw against a really good chicago defense did it matter at times and was billy turner beat at left tackle at times yes but they were mostly able to get the ball out of of aaron Rodgers' hands and mostly able to run their offense my one concern is if you do end up going against a, a saints or a bucks or a chiefs or whomever it may be and it ends up being this uh, you know, this, this shootout and it ends up just being pass, 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 pass. Um, and all of a sudden, maybe you're down 10 points in the second half and teams know what's coming now without the eye candy, without the play action, without the jet motion and the orbits and everything else. And you just have to go out and block the guy in front of you. And you just have to go out and win on your route. Cause everyone knows what's coming. Um, but that those are the situations that I'm a little bit more wary of with no David Bakhtiari. I just think that can be a situation where maybe opposing teams can take advantage of a little bit easier. Yeah, and, and while we've handled so much adversity this year and won different style of games and uh, had several games where our stars were injured, like Bakhtiari missing week seven, eight, and nine in the middle of the season. So this is nothing they hadn't gone through in the past. But the early game adversity really hasn't happened very much. They haven't gotten out of their game plan too often. They haven't gotten down multiple scores in the first half outside of that Tampa Bay game, really, where it seemed like everything went wrong on the offensive side of the ball. So it would be interesting to see without Bakhtiari, maybe getting behind, maybe having to ditch the run game, maybe making them one-dimensional. What does that all do to the floor and the offense and the potential play at that left tackle position? How much more do you have to scheme help to that left tackle, whether it's a tight end chip or sliding the old line and really starting to change some of the framework of your play calling and designs, which we didn't see last week or excuse me, week 17. And we didn't see in those week seven, eight and nine when he was out uh, for, you know, a couple weeks there. So it would be interesting to see with the backups and adversity in there, if they have to kind of ditch some of their play calling, how would that go? But I trust the floor and I trust Rogers. And I think I trust the, the, the guys around them in the scheme to say, you know what, I think we can uh, play call our way out of this. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's what gives me certainly some hope uh, for the the Packers in this postseason, being able to overcome some of those obstacles, which likely in a playoff and Super Bowl type run are going to happen at one point or another. And you're going to have to overcome it. And I think Green Bay set up to do so. Um, I'll let you go in any, any direction that you want to go here with this, Ben. But any thoughts on Chiefs, Browns, Bucks, Saints, Bills, Ravens, uh, any of the three other games that are coming up? Any predictions? You know, that's a good question. I think it's a lot of really exciting games. There's a lot of countering styles with some of these teams like Chiefs Browns actually have a lot of countering stuff, just like the Rams Packers Chiefs, tons of RPOs. Browns never run RPOs. So it's kind of funny. The Chiefs are one. The Browns are 32 in that category. I just don't know if the Browns can score enough points to contend with this Chiefs team. If the Browns score 35, is that enough to beat this Chiefs offense? Um, I think that's going to be it. They're going to need some help from their defense. They're going to have to slow the game down, steal a couple possessions as well. This Ravens-Bills game is really fun as well. I think either team can win. If they played 100 times, it might be 50-50. I'm going to go with the home teams across the board, though, this weekend. I think it's going to be Packers-Bills, Chiefs-Saints. I would love to see Rodgers-Breeze in that NFC Championship game, and then uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in there in the AFC Championship game, and then a a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl I think would be a really fun matchup. It certainly would be. I agree on everything except I, I'm going to take Bucks over Saints. I like I like Chiefs over Browns. I like Bills over Ravens. Packers over Rams, which we can get to in a second as well. But I think for some reason I don't know. I just like the Bucks a little bit more than the Saints at this point. But certainly neither of those teams would surprise me. I'm just hoping for a, a rematch of Mahomes uh, Mayfield <laughs> one back in the day where when Mahomes had 88 passes in the game, 734 yards, uh, 734 <laughs> yards passing, 819 total yards. Baker had seven touchdowns and 564. I'm going to assume that was at Texas Tech, right? That was, <laughs> and the image I'm looking at here, I, I'm not sure which one it was at, but yeah, we Mahomes at Texas Tech, Mayfield at uh, Oklahoma at the time. So yes. So, all right. So with the Bucks saints game, Andy, yes. is there a team you would want to or not want to see in that NFC championship game more or less than, uh, than either one of these? I think Tampa gives Green Bay a tougher time overall. I think that's a little bit of a tougher matchup. And maybe I'm just basing that off the fact that Green Bay beat New Orleans this year and lost to Tampa. But I just overall looking at both teams, I think I think uh, Tampa can match up with Green Bay a little bit better defensively than what New Orleans can. I also trust Tom Brady a little bit more in the cold than in Green Bay than I than I do Drew Brees. I think his arm maybe not quite as well not quite as good as Brady's at this point. And I think they could be limited to more checkdowns and intermediate type of stuff. So I think Green Bay actually matches up with the Saints. I guess if you're looking for um, a silver lining, you know, no team has ever made it to the Super Bowl when they've been hosting the Super Bowl. So I guess if Tampa Bay wins, it's a it's an automatic buy to the Super Bowl since Tampa Bay's, you know, it's illegal to win that game if you're Tampa Bay, um, I say in jest. But um, I do think Green Bay matches up a little bit better with the Saints, but uh, I'd be interested in your thoughts as well. Yeah, it's interesting, but I'm a, I'm afraid of the Saints. The Saints have a lot of veteran presence. They have a lot of playmakers, Kamara, Mike Thomas, obviously Drew Brees, a really good offensive line, great defensive line, Demario Davis and Cam Jordan, Malcolm Jenkins. They just have some very very veteran players at every layer of the defense. Now the Bucks, good old line too, good run defense as well. I don't trust their back end as much. I'm not as afraid as of their offensive skill players as much of the Saints, but a lot of that is determined by the quarterback. So Breeze is a little bit more limited than Brady is at this point. So does that limit the ability of those playmakers to make those plays? Absolutely. Um, but they do have the Taysom Hill factor as well, which at any point he could throw a wrench in there. It's kind of interesting that I want to see the Bucks. Yet the Bucks were the team that easily beat the Packers earlier this year. I think they come into Lambeau. I bet this Packers team is ready to punch the Bucks right in the face uh, and knock that team off. It's the Saints coming into Lambeau that I think I'm just a, a little more hesitant about. Interesting. I'm honestly, I like Green Bay in any of the games in the NFC. I think they're the better team of anyone. But agreed. Um, It'll be interesting to see how some of those matchups take place. Let's finalize things with just kind of a final thought on, on Packers Rams. I don't know about you, Ben, but the, to me, this is almost the easiest pick of the week. Um, I, I don't get ultra confident often. And the good news is usually when I am ultra confident, it goes well. Um, so that knock on wood and everything else you need to uh, wear a lucky rabbit's foot or everything else. But uh, I, 
I really like Green Bay in this matchup. I, I mean, I don't think people are talking enough about the fact that it legit, I mean, at least Troy Aikman made it sound like a, a week ago that the Rams were legitimately looking at John Wolford as a, a replacement for Jared Goff, whether maybe even healthy or not. Like that, that's the way that Goff is playing right now. They, I don't think they have the confidence in him on offense. I think Green Bay's defense can stop that Rams offense. And even if Green Bay puts up, I don't know, 24 to 27 points, which is well under their, their average for the year, I still think they win this game. So I, I have very little concern about this game with the Rams. Yeah, I think I kind of uh, echo a lot of that sentiment. I do not feel confident about the Rams offense, particularly with uh, Jared Goff running the show there, obviously dealing with the thumb injury as well. Yeah, I like that Packers defense against them. It's the, the marquee matchup of the Packers offense against the Rams defense. And, you know, will it be a shoot yourself in the foot type of game like it was that Bucks game, throwing a pick six and, you know, getting turnovers deep in your own end? Those are the only things I can think of that would really stifle the Packers from winning this game is doing something uncharacteristic like a, a pick or a boneheaded turnover uh, that we really haven't seen through, you know, uh, much of the Matt LaFleur era. So I think the Packers are actually, She's going to be able to score a little bit more than people think. I'm going to go 38-13 in a pretty comfortable win. Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. And I, I always look at it as how many outs do you have? So, you know, if, if the Rams turn the ball over a ton or don't play their best game, it is over, over. Like the Packers blow out the Rams in that situation. If the Packers maybe have a turnover, as long as it's not like a pick six or, you know, something like that, if they have a turnover like that, I still think they could overcome that in this game and still have opportunities to win if they play a really strong remainder of the game. I just think the Rams have much less room for error and have to play um, maybe not perfect, but they have to play a damn good football game to come into Lambeau. And be <laughs> well, the last time they played in the playoffs far through six. <laughs> so the standard has been set Andy. All right. If Rogers can just stay under those six interceptions, stay under those three pick sixes that far through that day, I think the Packers will have a good chance. And one of the great Brett Favre quotes of all time saying, if I would have got the ball back, I would have thrown eight. And there's just like something like that. <laughs> is that um, what he said? Yeah. It's something to that effect of like, if they, if I would have got the ball back i probably would have thrown eight which is just amazing hey, he's the only quarterback that keeps both teams in the game you know? yes that's very very true <laughs> all right ben any final thoughts before we get out of here no just excited for uh, another uh, double dip of playoff action i love the games on saturday the games on sunday playoff football uh, kind of a mix of veteran quarterbacks and young quarterbacks as well how about the three quarterbacks from the 2018 class all getting their first playoff wins this year. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Josh, Josh Allen. I think it's just really exciting to see the young quarterbacks in combination with the veterans. Uh, and there's going to be a couple of showdowns here coming up. So I think it's a really good uh, kind of mixing of styles. Some of my favorite discussions are quarterback draft classes and to see how they turn out and pan out and, and where they were selected. <laughs> and that draft is going to go on for a long time on how those quarterbacks end up with, you know, certainly Baker play much better. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he does in year two of Kevin Stefanski's offense after kind of taking all the stuff that with Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens and kind of getting that out of his system and actually being in a legitimate NFL offense. <laughs> now, like, um, And then Josh Allen just far exceeding so many expectations and really reaching that ceiling that everyone knew he had, but I think few people thought he would ever reach. And he seems to be uh, getting that. And then, you know, of course, Lamar Jackson on the flip side, uh, where do the jets go to Sam Darnold, even the quarterback next year. And Josh Rosen's already on his fourth team. (laughs) Andy, whenever you're ready to talk Kyle Trask and, you know, uh, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, I'm ready for you. And we got to figure out who the Packers are taking in the first round next (laughs) year, which quarterback is it going to (laughs) be? We can never get ahead of that too soon. (laughs) No, I'm right there with you. Cannot wait for the draft discussion. That'll be amazing as always. Ben, thanks for joining. Appreciate it. Enjoy the games this weekend. Again, you can follow Ben at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. That does it for today's Pack-A-Day podcast. Make sure to check out the YouTube version if you have not already. Just search Pack-A-Day podcast on YouTube. But until next time, and as always, go Pack-Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.